Welcome to Generation Podcast, where we have real conversations about what God is doing in this generation. My name's Josh Mann, and joining me, as always, is the young adults pastor of St. Paul's Castle Hill, Sam Haywood. Josh, how are you? I'm going pretty well today, Sammy. Uh, we're here in your office at St. Paul's Castle Hill in Sydney. Welcome. But you actually weren't in the office today, were you? <laughs> Way to throw me under the bus. I was not <laughs> in the office today. We had a mental health day, staff mental health day, so... We were in the city on a boat, windswept hair. Nice. Yeah, that's why it looks so relaxed. <laughs> Where did you go in that boat? We went to Shark Island. Nice. Which is a little island that looks like a shark. Wow, so it's not surrounded by sharks. It's not surrounded by sharks. The story goes that uh, the some of the first settlers were looking at a map and they were looking at the shapes of the islands and some guy was like, that one looks like a shark. And it stuck. Well, there we have it. Well, this is not a podcast about Shark Island. This is a (laughs) podcast about what God is doing in this generation. And if you joined us for the first episode, we did talk about uh, the movement of God uh, in this generation, what we perceive God is doing uh, in this generation. Uh, We're starting off this this series talking about idols because Mm. when God is moving, the only thing that can stop it or one of the major things that can stop it are idols. And so the first idol that we're looking at is this idea of counterfeit Jesus counterfeit Jesus. Yeah. So when we're thinking about counterfeit Jesus, what is what does that actually entail? What what does it look like? A couple of things, maybe we can give a couple of other f- ways of framing what counterfeit Jesus means too. Yeah. Maybe fake Jesus or other version of Jesus. There's a, a passage in the Bible that we're going to read that will be pretty helpful for us to understand what this means. It's uh, 2 Corinthians 11 as Paul speaking um, about the gospel. And he says, if someone comes to you, and this is 2 Corinthians eleven four, if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. Wow. So it's literally anything other than the gospel present in the Bible. Yes. So... The Bible presents a picture of who Jesus is, or um, Jesus is revealed to us through the words in Scripture. And if if we hear a gospel or if we hear a version of Jesus that is different to the one that the Bible presents, then we're actually following a fake version of Jesus or a counterfeit Jesus. Yeah, so wh- why, we're tackling this first, why yeah. would we put this as number one? That's a really good question, um, partly because uh, it was the first one on our list. And <laughs> we're just doing whatever Straight comes up. first. Um, but more seriously than that, this idol um, is one that will set in place all of the other idols. Because if we can figure out off the bat who Jesus is, who Jesus really is, then we're going to be able to understand um, what is an idol and what isn't an idol. And we're also going to have a lens, a clear lens through which to see Jesus that's going to help us bring everything else into clarity. So we first need to decide who really is Jesus. And then how to follow him in this day and age. And how to follow him. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Another way of putting it, and I think uh, you did this so beautifully, I might say, when you you preached um, a couple of uh, weeks ago, a couple of months ago Mm. uh, in in our church in St. Paul's Castle Hill. Uh, talking about Jesus being the cornerstone of the church. Right. And 
when that goes off course, if if Jesus isn't the cornerstone, then the whole church is isn't made uh, in the way that God intended, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that that's that's a helpful way to think about it. I can't remember what the passage was. You might. Be, have to remind me what it was, but it was essentially saying that Jesus is the cornerstone of the mm. church and on Jesus, the church is built. Yeah. And it's actually a really helpful analogy because the cornerstone is the first stone that's set in a building and it sets the orientation for all of the bricks or all of the stones that come after it. And when a, a bricklayer or a, a master builder is building something, he sets everything in line with the cornerstone. And so as God is building the church, as God is building the house, he is aligning us to the person of Jesus, to the authority of Jesus, to the ministry of Jesus, to the will of Jesus, and to the person of Jesus. And if we don't understand those things, we're going to be misaligned and we're not going to be building a house that accurately represents who God has revealed himself to be in the person of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and that's exactly why we're tackling this first. Absolutely. Counterfeit Jesus, you need to understand who Jesus is yeah. and then work out how to worship him in our, in our generation. 100%. Um, and there's a couple of instances in the Bible where we see people in, in the biblical narrative worshipping a God or worshipping a Jesus, an authority figure that is not quite the character of God. And the first instance is uh, we touched on this last episode in episode one, when we were talking about uh, Moses on Mount Sinai, he goes up and he, he's receiving the Ten Commandments. And as he's receiving those Ten Commandments, as God is himself is literally speaking to Moses, the Israelites just go nuts, right? Yeah. Um, so do you want to just go through a little bit of how that can actually lead to a counterfeit Jesus for them? Absolutely. Let's set the scene a little bit, give, give our wonderful listeners a little bit of narrative that's surrounding that. So uh, the... The Mount Sinai uh, story happens pretty soon after the exodus out of Egypt. Uh, I think it was probably a couple of weeks or a couple of months or something after that. Uh, What happened when they were in Egypt is as they were leaving, God said, I want you to go to the Egyptians and ask them for articles of, of fine silver and gold. And they're going to be favorably disposed towards you. And they're going to give you these things. So God not only got them out of Egypt and out of slavery, but he also gifted them things as well. He gifted them things and specifically articles of gold and silver, which aren't of much use to you as a nation, unless you're trying to build something beautiful with them or you're using them in a, in a trade sense, right? So you think of, well, why did, why did God give them this gold and this silver? God gave it to them as a gift so that they could build a city, build a beautiful city, maybe even a temple that was, um, it was actually purposed for worship to God, right? So they come out of Egypt and it's miraculous. The, the sea splits in two. It's a crazy time. Kind of an unforgettable liberation, <laughs> right? The sea comes back on their enemies and crushes them. And then they go on this trajectory to the promised land. Now, while they're on the way to the promised land, God wants to give his people a law. He wants to give them a way to live as a new people under his name. And so he says to Moses, 
why didn't you come and meet me on the top of this mountain, mm. Mount Sinai? And so Moses, he goes up the mountain and there's thunder and lightning and it's intense and it's crazy. Mm. And Moses is up there for I don't know, quite a while. Yeah. So the the Israelites, while Moses is up there, they they hear the thunder, they see the lightning. Yeah. They see the authority of God. They see the power of God. Yeah. Yeah. As the story goes on, we see that the Israelites take the silver and the gold that God gifted them and they fashion it into the golden calf. They fashion it into the golden calf, the infamous golden calf story. And Aaron who's Moses's brother, I think, is actually leading the people in, in Moses's stead. And he's the one that tells them that they should build this calf. And the question is, Josh, why did they build the calf? <laughs> well, the, the motiv- what was the motivation behind what it? What was right? the motivation behind building the calf? Yeah, well, as you said, they were, they were probably up there, got Jesus, oh, gee, Moses, sorry, was probably up there um, for about a couple of weeks, maybe yeah. uh, five or six weeks. There's a lot of commentators that, that talk about that period of time. And they might have been frustrated. You know, they, they've been promised all this. God has taken them out of slavery, yet they're still waiting. Yeah. Uh, and so they made an idol, literally a man-made idol, and they started worshipping that instead yeah. of submitting to the plan that God wanted them to, to do, right? Absolutely. So that's what they did. Why did they do that? And I think that there is some speculation, there are some different ideas about why they built this calf. Um, one, one train of thinking is that they were very used to the way that the Egyptians worshipped their gods. And the Egyptians had an array of different gods and they worshipped images um, that represented these gods. Mm. And so they grew up in a context that informed how they should worship their god. Now, when their leader, their fearless leader, Moses, left, they maybe they didn't really know how to properly worship God. And because they'd seen in Egypt that you should create an image of your God to worship your God, that's what they did. Wow. So they, they gave in to what they'd seen. They gave in to the familiar culture and decided to worship a man-made God rather than submitting to the authoritative God that they heard and they saw on the mountain. Absolutely. Yeah, wow. Because it's, it's interesting, and I only realized this as our research team kind of revealed this to us, that they thought they were worshiping Yahweh. They thought that they'd made an altar to Yahweh. They thought that as they worshiped this golden calf, that they were worshiping God, right? And I was like, what? Yeah. They got it so wrong, but they weren't, trying to reject God completely and be like, no, we give up on you. We want to worship this golden calf. Yeah. They were trying to worship God, but it wasn't the proper way to worship God. No, And that's the thing with this idol of counterfeit Jesus, making up your own mind of who Jesus is or who God is, because it actually feels like it actually looks like you're worshiping the authoritative God. But at least, at least in our, at least in our mind. Mm. And the ironic thing is that, while this is happening, Moses is getting these Ten Commandments from God. And one of these commandments is, you shall not make an image of a God. And so God knows that this is going to be a problem for his people when it comes to proper worship. But they were so impatient that they didn't even get the commandment 
from Moses until he came back down. And Moses comes back down the mountain and he gets frustrated. Yeah. He flips his lid and he smashes the tablets of the Ten Commandments and says, what are you doing? This yeah. is so terrible. This is so bad. Um, you're worshipping yeah. an idol. What you're doing is you're worshipping a false yeah. god. And so the story gets a little bit hectic there, but we're going to take a pause on that story because that is one side of counterfeit Jesus looking yeah. at uh, you know, being a, having a relaxed version of who God is and, mm. and making up your own mind and, and worshipping that as a result of giving into culture. Yeah. Um, the second instance that we want to briefly touch on in the biblical sense is this the Pharisaical view uh, of God. And, and what is pharisaical? Yeah, well, basically, uh, in in the New Testament, um, when Jesus was was roaming around, there was all these religious leaders, these mm. um, high high end uh, religious leaders that would go around, and they actually didn't submit to the authority of Jesus. They actually did not acknowledge him as the savior. Um, therefore, they didn't follow his commands. Um, right, and so they were so content and so uh, so so intent on um, making up rules and regulations that had been given to them in the past in order to secure a future. Mm. Whereas Jesus was, was sharing an opposite message. Uh, Jesus was saying, no, it's not about rules. It's not about laws. I've come to fulfill all that. And therefore, the only two is to love God and love others. So when we get caught up in this Pharisaic view where we're, sorry, we're wanting influence over the spiritual. Mm. One way I see it is we make up rules, we make up regulations in order that we can have influence over the spiritual, over our spiritual life and over the spiritual lives of others. Mm. Um, so in terms of that pharisaical view, why, why do you think, what's the motivation behind it? I sort of touched on a little bit um, being wanting control, but how do, how do you see that coming to be? Yeah, in our day and age, um, you know, part of it is understanding what Christianity really is. So Christianity is this weird amalgamation of Judaism and the teachings of Jesus. And Judaism is this idea of, of the law and the law that God revealed to his people at Mount Sinai um, in terms of the Ten Commandments. There is actually a lot more commandments, but the, the greatest of those two commandments is love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and mm. strength. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself, right? So Jesus says that these are the greatest two commandments and on those commandments lie all of the law and all of the prophets. So that's kind of like the core of the, the Jewish message. And what the Pharisees did was they followed those laws. They followed those 10 commandments, but they also had what was called the traditions, the traditions of the um, the the elders or mm. the the tribes, whatever, and so they actually followed a whole bunch more stuff in addition to the yep. law. Now, the Jewish understanding of faith is that you need to do those things in order to be right with God. And so up until Jesus preaches basically the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, the understanding of how to be right with God mm. was to live up to this holy standard yeah. that God had set. And Jesus comes in and he preaches this message. And he says, he actually raises the bar. He says, well, you've heard that it was said, um, if, if you murder, then you've sinned. Well, 
I say that if you hate, a, hate someone in your heart, then you've committed murder. Mm. You've heard that it was said if you um, sleep with another man's wife that you've committed adultery. But I say if you've lusted after someone in your heart, you've broken this law. And so Jesus actually increases the law. Jesus doesn't decrease the law. Jesus actually says, not an iota, not a dot will pass away from the law. And so I think this is something that the Christians don't really understand. That When Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, he's making it way harder. He's, the bar of entry into being right with God has become impossible. And so every all of his listeners listening in on the Sermon on the Mount are probably listening to Jesus going, I already thought that this was hard to do. Now I think that this is actually impossible. And I think that's the point that Jesus was trying to make. Well, that is the point that Jesus was trying (laughs) to make. Where you get to the end of yourself, when you realize that I absolutely am not good enough to be right with God. When you get to the end of yourself, that's when you become, that's when you come to the beginning of God. Jesus is priming people to say, I need a savior. So when we, when we don't acknowledge Jesus as our savior, we don't acknowledge that we need a savior. We get caught up in this idea of fulfilling these laws, fulfilling that thing in our culture so that we'll be right with God. God will be happy with you. Rather than submitting to the fact that Jesus died on the cross, got rid of that, that our sin so that we could be right with God. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so in essence, when we're looking at laws, where we're taking out, we're taking control off God and try and have the control ourselves. Yeah. Right? So maybe it's an idol of control. Wow. Maybe maybe it's not understanding what the gospel is. Mm. You know, the gospel is grace that you're saved by grace, the grace of God, the love of God by faith in Jesus Christ, not based on your own good works. Yeah. You know, but it's a gift of God. Why? So that you cannot yeah. boast. And yet. Jesus didn't take the law away. He still said, this is, this is how I intend for you to live life with God, but your salvation is not dependent on you doing this perfectly. Hmm. Hey, Generation, we're going to take a little break from our podcast to get to know our host, Josh Mann, a little <laughs> bit better. Josh, we've got three quick questions Hit me. for you. Number one. What is your favorite sport to play? Ooh, favorite sport to play? I think I'd have to say cricket. Because cricket. I think I have more control over it and I'm better at it. Okay. <laughs> Number two, what's your favorite sport to watch? Uh, probably AFL. It's a cracking sport to watch. Yeah, quick, perfect. Do you like to ski or snowboard? <laughs> we had a discussion before. Neither, because I suck at both of them. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And on that note, we're going to end. <laughs> So there we've got two sort of schools of thought in the, the counterfeit Jesus, the, the line of being too relaxed and making up your own version of God and, and worshipping that as in the golden calf. And then it's been that too harsh, that too strict version of God and making rules and regulations in order that you fit God Where into a Where if you don't box. follow God perfectly to a T, you're done. Yeah. And you're out. Yeah. So there's, that, there's the too loose way and then there's the too harsh, the too yeah. relaxed and the too harsh. Yep. Um, when we look at our culture, do you want to give us just a really quick example of how we see uh, the, the too relaxed version in our culture? Too relaxed? Yeah. yeah. Um, you do you. Yeah. You do you. I think this is the, 
uh, one of the primary cultural narratives that we see playing out. Um, it's it's a a reorientation or or a redefining of what truth is. So truth by nature is objective, right? Because if I were to say to you, um, truth is not objective, then that's an absolute truth claim and it self defeats, <laughs> right? So there has to be objective truth. Um, and the, the Bible exists in a world where there is objective truth. Um, we are in a culture that will say, you can have your truth and I can have my truth, and that's totally fine, right? You do you, and I'll do me, mm. and according to the Bible, that can't be true. Yeah, so the way that slips into Christianity is that you can say, you know, I'm a Christian, but I can still do these things. I can still do these things. So I can be a Christian, and I can believe my version of Christianity. You know, I, I take this part of sexuality and I take this part of um, identity and I take this part of um, this this social idea and you can have the completely opposite beliefs about these things yeah. and that's your Christianity and this is my Christianity and we can both have our Christianities to the glory of God. Yet we're both molding different golden calves. Yes, exactly. And worshipping that. We're both worshipping a fake Jesus. And, and we make that ourselves. It's man-made. It's man-made. Wow. Because we want to worship God on our terms. We want to make a God in our image. But for a lot of people, that God looks a lot like Jesus, but maybe isn't actually Jesus at all. If you take Jesus as he is, and you say, Jesus, I, I wholeheartedly love you, but I don't like your sexual ethic. So I'm going to worship you and I'm going to, take out your sexual ethic, then you're no longer worshipping Jesus. You're worshipping a fake version of Jesus that you've created. Wow. And so in your life, has there been an instance where that has started to creep in and you've had to say, look, hold on, I've got to go back to the Bible here and, and really work out who God is and, and how to yeah. worship him? Yes. Um, I you know, as a pastor live in the same culture and, 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 and I'm trying to reach people that are in this world and I'm affected by that world too. Um, I think a couple of different idols play itself out in the story that I'm about to tell you. One is approval of people. So we live in a culture where um, some things about Christianity are applauded, like Jesus loves, Jesus loves people. Jesus loved outcasts. Jesus loved rebels. Jesus is the friend of sinners. We love that. And I love that. But there are also things that Jesus did and things that Jesus said that polarize our culture. Jesus um, said a lot of things that I have had to come to terms with and wrestle with. Um, so, you know, I was, I was preaching... Uh, a, a sermon here at our church in Sydney um, probably a couple of months ago and we were doing a series. Actually, it was the same sermon that the Cornerstone... Wow. It was this sermon. <laughs> and at the end of that sermon, um, uh, Paul teaches, I think it was Ephesians, yep. teaches on marriage and on leadership in the home. And Jesus's teachings on 
um, marriage and leadership in the home are not synchronistic with our culture. Yeah. They're quite controversial with our culture. And it was the very end of the sermon. And, you know, I was given the freedom to not preach that part of the passage because, you know, as a staff team, some of us were saying, well, look, it, in order to properly preach this, knowing our context, it'll, it'll take a whole sermon to properly explain what we're trying to do without frustrating everybody. So um, because it's not the main point of the passage, you don't have to preach that. And so I was like, okay, cool because I don't know what I was going to say anyway. <laughs> I didn't want everyone to hate me. Yeah. And so it probably got until Sunday. And then I realized, do I, do I want to be a preacher that shies away from preaching what I believe to be the truth that the Bible's presenting because I'm afraid of criticism, because I'm afraid of what people are going to think of me. And I thought, oh, I don't. I I want to as much as I can fight for what I believe the truth to be. And so I preached the text, mm. I preached that passage and you know thought well if if people are no longer my friends then that's totally fine. And so that's an instance where you've had to go back to the scripture and go back to word, the word and go what does God actually look like? What does yeah. Jesus teach on this particular ethic yeah and how can i be true to that yeah because if you if you weren't true to the word yeah then where is your base of truth right absolutely and that's when you stick get into the the idea of of you do you and mm. where self becomes the authoritative word rather than the word of god yeah um and so then naturally the other side of it the legalistic side of it i think we all can uh, think of examples in our own lives where we've thought oh, it's about what we do it's about our actions. It's about, you know, how, how I relate to other people. It's about how, what things I don't do. And we reduce Christianity to a rule book when yeah. God wants a relationship. Um, and so good. we've seen both sides. We've seen the, the legalistic sort of you know, reducing it to the rule book. And then we've seen the really relaxed version uh, where you were talking about, or we originally started with the golden calf and then mm. talking about your experiences there. So how do we actually see the real Jesus, the real authentic Jesus? Do you want to give us a quick summary of, of how, can, how can you actually know that you're worshipping the authentic Jesus Christ? Yes, uh, I think it's very simple. Um, the Bible reveals to us who Jesus really is. The Bible is such a gift from God. And, and we believe um, as Christians that the Bible is the supreme authority, that the Bible is the authoritative um, word of God breathed to uh, authors, many different authors and writers, but it is the word of God. So we want to hold the Bible above ourselves and say, if, if I come to something in the Bible that doesn't gel with me or grates against me, I am going to have two reactions to that. There are two possible outcomes. One, I don't understand this, which is why I'm not grading well with this. And I need to seek to understand this better. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig into this and research this so that I might understand what God is saying. Or I need to change my mind. Like if we read something in the Bible that we understand and we don't like, I have to change my mind 
because the Bible is the supreme authority and I'm not. Yeah. Like we live in a culture that says, you choose your truth. I don't know what truth <laughs> is. Like truth does not originate in me. I don't have that high of a view of my own cognitive ability to figure out in myself what the truth is. I need something outside of myself that is objective truth. And Christians believe that's the revealed word of God. And so the Bible as objective truth reveals to us who Jesus is. So in essence, to find out who the authentic Jesus is, we actually need a, dyna- a dynamic relationship with God. Yes. With Jesus himself. Yes. And that is founded in the word of God. Absolutely. Jesus is going to reveal to you who he is by the power of the Holy Spirit revealing the word of God to you. Yeah, wow. And, and if you live according to the word, if you center your life on the truth that the word is, mm. then you will be worshiping the authentic Jesus. But in actual fact, I think that gives us freedom. Yeah. It breaks the chains of the expectations from the world and having to live up to those expectations that you were, you were talking about, yeah. live up to the, the ideas of how people are going to think of me, what people yeah. are going to think of me, or how people are going to view me. Yeah. And it breaks those chains. It yeah. breaks that bondage. Yeah. So you don't have to think about that because you're sold out for God mm. and what's written in his word and you're going to run to seek his face no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. And it's this dance between truth and love. I think when when some people hear that, they'll go, oh man, that just gives me this idea of the Christian that I don't like. That is just like a Bible basher. It's like, this is the truth about who God is. <laughs> and that can so push people away from God because it's done without love. And the Bible says that if, if you um, can speak in the tongues of angels and yet don't have love, you're like a clanging gong. And I was listening to a sermon by Matt Chandler and he was talking about this and he was like, no one ever says to a band, stop everything and just hit that symbol. <laughs> I just love the sound of a crashing. No one likes the sound of a clashing cymbal. It makes you want to run in the opposite direction. Christians that don't have genuine, passionate, God-centered love for other people push people away from God as opposed to pulling them in to see who God really is. And so we, as the church in the West, are not good at this. We have to figure out how do we stick true to the truth of who God is and love people, desperately love people at the same time. Yeah. I think that's a it's a journey that we're all that we're all on. Um, yeah. a Christian in, in Western society facing the pressures of secularism, facing the pressures of postmodernism and yeah. post post Christian culture. Yeah. We need to work that out together yeah and that's the hope and the dream of this podcast absolutely is to journey together yeah in order that we can work that out yeah we can work out how can we hold god as spoken at the bible in authority Mm. but still love others and welcome them into our culture welcome them into our community so that they can get to know the real authentic jesus absolutely i think the bible puts this so clearly and it says fear the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom Mm. And that's where we want to finish on today. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah. So we really want to focus 
our attention on the authentic Jesus Christ found in the Bible, found in the Word of God, not listening to culture, not, not molding our own you know, golden calves, but looking at who Jesus is and how we can get to know him more. Amen. Well, thank you so much for listening. Please like, please subscribe this to this uh, podcast. Share it around so that we can journey together in order to seek God's face. Thank you so much for listening. But remember, renewal in our generation must start with renewal in our hearts. Thanks, guys.